0: Good morning, it's a joy to be here and to be in the presence of the Lord in that fine time of worship that we had together. Let's go to prayer. And As we do, I want to read a portion from Psalms. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its going down. The Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Praise the Lord. And we do say amen to that this morning. Who is like the Lord our God? The name of Jesus is all we need. We thank you that there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. We thank you, Father, that we can call upon the name of Jesus for salvation, for healing, for every need, for deliverance, for whatever it is. But most of all, we want to call upon your name at this time to worship and to praise you and to say thank you. Thank you for meeting us with new mercy and new grace this morning. Thank you, Father, for waking us up this morning, for bringing us together to be a habitation of the Most High God, to know that you dwell in the midst. You are here in the middle of your people who are praising you. Father, that is such a special time. Like nothing else upon the the face of this planet, when your people gather together and lift up that name and exalt the name that will be forever and ever. Thank you for making us part of your forever family. Thank you for revealing yourself to us that we might know who you are. Thank you for walking with us each and every day uh, through the valleys and through the peaks. Thank you, Father, that you are always there. Thank you, Father, there's not a moment that your thoughts are not toward us. Thank you this morning as we combed our hair You knew exactly how many hairs were there. Thank you, Father, that you care for the sparrows out there and you care for each one of us. And thank you for clothing us this morning with your righteousness. Thank you that we come not because of who we are, but because we belong to the King of Ages. We thank you and we praise you. And Father, we lift up each and every need this morning and pray that you would suit a blessing, that which is best for each of us, but the best blessing is to know that you are there in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, whatever's before us, whatever's behind us. You've been there and you will be there, and we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. And let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. It's from Judges chapter 6. And the Lord turned to Gideon said to him, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If I've now found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. That is you who speak with me. Please don't leave from here till I come again to you and bring my present and set it before you. And the angel said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went to his house, prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes. And the meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought it to him under the tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock. Pour the broth over them. And so he did. And the angel of the Lord touched out the tip of his staff and the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang from the rocks and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from sight. And Gideon said, He was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Shalom, peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Shalom. May God bless his word. Please be seated. As always, it's a privilege to be here and I see two special guests of ours this morning that uh, Selma and Jabbar, if you just wave, okay, you'll make sure you greet them later on. We're continuing on with the theme of contentment, which is a theme here at Calvary for this past year. We're looking at one of the many names of God, well, there's only one name that we need to know, the name of Jesus. God has many names. Names indicate character. Names indicate quality. And there's at least nine compound names of God in the Old Testament. See, He's a God who is a God of revelation. A God who reveals Himself. A God who makes Himself known. And we come to the name Jehovah Shalom. And that's found over here in Judges 6, verse 24 that we just read a moment ago that Gideon built an altar unto Jehovah and called it Jehovah Shalom, which means Jehovah is peace. The book of Judges recounts the history of the children of Israel from the time they settled in the land of Canaan after Joshua's death till the birth of Samuel. The time covered in the book of Judges, they had no king. We read several times though that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's terrible. It sounds good, but it turns out to be really bad. In the United States, we have a statement that says, there are no absolutes. All truth is relative. Can I tell you something? Even that statement is absolute. (laughs) There are no absolutes. All truth is relative. Have you noticed that lately? People say things change. What we believed 10 years ago, that doesn't go anymore. Things are different. We're in a new time, a new era. Everything changes. Things change. What we believed 10 years ago no longer goes. What may be true for you isn't true for me. You have your truth, I have my truth. We see a lot of that today. We make another mistake too when we think that the problem is a political problem and can be solved politically. We should be working politically to solve and address some of these issues. But the problems are not political problems. The problems are spiritual problems. Heart issues. We all have heart problems. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I love some of those Hallmark movies. But they almost always say, go with your heart. What's your heart telling you to do? The heart is desperately wicked, I yell back at the TV. (laughs) Don't go with your heart. But we have people who want to go with their heart, who want to do whatever is right in their own eyes. It was a time of apostasy, it was a time of apathy, of the secular culture. The ancient Israelites rejected God as their king. They had a king. Israel had a king. God was to be their king. But each one did what was right in his own eyes. When everyone does what he pleases, in effect, he becomes his own God. Nothing but secular humanism. Tolerance is the last virtue of a depraved society. When you have an immoral society that blatantly and proudly violates all of God's commandments. They're all broken today. When men call what is good evil and what is evil good, there's only one last virtue that men insist upon. Tolerance. Tolerate me. (laughs) Tolerate their immorality. That's the only virtue that's left today is tolerance for immorality. When we come to our text, Joshua had long since died. The land had been conquered, it had been divided among the tribes Nothing approaching national unity had been achieved at this time. And the people forgot their God. In generation after generation, they forgot their God. God would discipline them. He would send discipline to them. They would repent. Get right with God. God would take away the discipline. And then they'd fall back into sin again. Over and over again. Time and time Again. They forgot Jehovah their God. They forgot Jehovah their God, who was Jehovah Jireh to them, the God who provided, who provided the blood sacrifice so that they might leave the land of Israel. Remember, the blood was shed of the Lamb. They forgot Him. They forgot Him as Jehovah Rophe, who had healed their diseases and their sicknesses and their sorrows along the way. They forgot Him as Jehovah Nisi, who had been their banner and their protector and had delivered them in times of trouble, they forgot him as Jehovah M Kadesh, who would sanctify them, set apart them as a special people of God. And so by the time we get to the book of Judges, the Israelites have corrupted corrupted themselves with idolatries, abominations. They lost their purity, they lost their prosperity, and they lost their peace. How quickly is the downward spiral? Nations, churches, and individuals need to live in continual R&R. Not rest and recreation. Repentance and revival. We as a people of God, as a nation, as a church, and as individuals need to lead, lead lives of repentance and revival. Continual revival. They seemed unable to rise above the materialism that they were living on. Without a sense of divine mission, there were easy appetite to the lust of the flesh. So here in chapter 6, when we get to chapter 6, the people are living in fear, they're living in anxiety, they're living in terror, like many people today. Verse 6 tells us that they were living in an impoverished situation. They were living... So Israel was greatly impoverished. That word impoverished means to lead the life of a beggar. The children of the king, God was their king, living in a land flowing with milk and honey, were living like beggars because they forgot their God. They forgot to live in repentance and revival. I think sometimes children of God today live that way. We forget the blessings. We forget what God has given to us. We live like beggars. Rather than living the abundant life that has been provided. The abundant life that we just sang about. So beautifully. The enemy should have been subdued by this time. Instead the enemy was subduing the Israelites. Sweeping over the land. Reaping what Israel had sown. Driving them into caves and rocks. Judges was a period of that alternating between prosperity and adversity, the ups and the downs, repenting and slavery and deliverance. They would sin, be bought low, repent, they'd be back up again. This cycle kept on being repeated, and now it's in the seventh season here under Gideon. Gideon was a young man at the time of the Midianite oppression. Israel did evil in the sight of God, we read here in this chapter, and they were compelled to live in rocks, in dens, and in caves. You see, the Midianites had a new military weapon. You know what it was? In verse six, it's the camel. Camels are kind of ugly, I think. (laughs) Kind of an animal, somebody said, was constructed by a committee, I'm not sure about that. You see, the camel was mobile. It could travel for two or three days without food, without water. Camels were swift, they were strong, They had attack capability and the Israelites were foot soldiers. They couldn't fight against this new military weapon, the camel. So each harvest season the Midianites would come in great hordes on their camels, sweep into the land of Israel, strip it bare. Grab everything. They take the grain and the fruit and the vegetables and the young livestock and they go home. And then each Season of harvest, those ugly camels were back in great hordes, sweep across the land. It was a good weapon, a good strategy. When we first meet Gideon here, he is discouraged. Are you feeling discouraged sometimes when you look at the world and things around you? Get discouraged. Your eyes are on the wrong thing. We get defeated. We get to doubting. In fact, Gideon said... Lord, if you're on our side, why is all this happening to us? How could this happen to us when you're on our side? And we find Gideon, he's down in a wine press, probably at night, threshing out a little bit of wheat. Remember the psalmist says that like the chaff which the wind drives away, you would thresh wheat up on a threshing floor where the wind could drive it away. Gideon is down here hiding, just trying to get a little bit of wheat together for his family. And the angel of Jehovah, and he's identified here as the angel, which means he's the pre-incarnate Christ. Christ himself appeared to Gideon. And he's going to teach Gideon some life-transforming truths. Beginning in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Is that what Gideon was? He was a man. (laughs) That much was right. I'm not sure he felt like a mighty man of valor. If the Lord appeared to me and said, you mighty man, you great strong man, I'd say, God, you've got the wrong person. You mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. And we ought to know that this morning when you feel strong when you're weakest. We have a lot of strong people here this morning if you're feeling weak. Because Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And the angel said, you mighty man of God. You see, God sees us for what? He wants us to become. Not how we see us. Not how the person in the pews around us see us. How anybody else would see us. He sees us for what we can become. He sees our possibilities by the transforming truths of his word. You go back to 1855, Boston. And you kind of just put on your cap and go back in time to 1855, a young boy went to the deacons of a church. He was 18 years old. He had been raised in a Unitarian church, almost totally ignorant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He moved to Boston. He began attending a Bible-preaching church because his boss said, I'll hire you if you go to church, and you're going to come to my church. So he started going to a Bible-preaching church, A month earlier, the Sunday school teacher had visited this young man and led him to the Lord. So now a month later, this young man is ready for church membership. He went before the deacons, very ignorant of biblical truths. One deacon said to him, son, what has Christ done for you? What has Christ done for all of us, which entitles him to our love? Listen to this response. I don't know. I think Christ has done a great deal for us, but I can't think of anything in particular that I know of. Not a passing grade, is it? Hardly an impressive start. The membership committee said, we can't bring this young man into fellowship, into membership. He doesn't have any knowledge of the word of God, of of what it means to be a believer. Uh, And... In addition to that, his spoken grammar is atrocious and he's barely literate. <laughs> so they said, let's put him on probation for a year. Let's give him some, some mentoring for a year, teach him some basic truths. He comes back a year later and there was only minimal improvement. But they said he has a heart for God. We're going to take him into membership, but I don't think he's ever going to work, become, become much in the kingdom of God. And over the next years, many people looked at the young man. They were convinced that God would never use a person like that. And they wrote him off because of his limitations. Oh, by the way, the name of that man, some of you know, Dwight L. Moody. Turned true continents for Christ. Because of what God is able to do. What God wants to do in and through us. Moody later wrote, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Moses spent 40 years learning he was nobody. And Moses spent 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. If you feel like a nobody this morning in the kingdom of God, imagine what God can do with you. If you think you're somebody in the kingdom of God, you may need some time, time out before God can use you. We've all experienced the same kind of things. We've written ourselves off sometimes sometimes. We felt we were not up to the task. We were unqualified to do the things God called us to do, to handle the things in life that sometimes come into our lives, the circumstances, the situation. And we see our flaws and our feelings. And other people see the flaws and the failings that we have in life. We're just just not able to do it. And so the real question is not one of our availability, it's not one of our ability, but our availability for God. Some of you are saying, that's real good for the young people. Preach that to the young people. Let me tell you what Psalm 92 says. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall still bring forth fruit in their old age. If you're here today, God is not finished with you. So, in our old age, we want to be strong finishers as well. So this is for everybody this morning, not just for the young people. Verse 13, the problem of discouragement. Gideon said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is this happening? Where are his miracles? He brought us out of Egypt. The Lord, has has he forsaken us? He's delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. We have the sighs and the fears that come up. See, Uh, Faith energizes, but doubt brings us low. I've written a new song that you might like to sing sometime. Count your many barriers, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what you cannot do. We have barriers, we name them, and we know exactly what they are and why we can't, and we're not even surprised when God doesn't do anything because we knew he wasn't going to. It's coming with an expectant faith. Look at the answer in verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go. In this your might. Go in the power that I'm going to supply for you. Zechariah 4, verse 6. It's not by might. That's great news this morning. It's not our might, not our power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yes. God uses weak vessels. Remember Paul said, it's not the container, it's not the vessel. These are weak, cracked pots. But oh, the treasure within, the priceless treasure that God has put within us, that's what he uses. When I am weak, then I am strong. So Gideon, after some doubt and some hesitation, accepted the promise, the challenge, and he built an altar in which he called Jehovah Shalom in confident anticipation. That is one of the most... Uh, interesting names of God in the Old Testament Jehovah Shalom it harmonizes with the doctrine of uh, the atonement the basis of peace with God is through Jesus Christ so there's peace with God and there is the peace of God that I want to talk about this morning I'm going to read you a couple of verses you identify the word shalom here or peace in these from Deuteronomy 27, thou shalt build the altar of Jehovah thy God with whole stones. Did you find peace in there? Did you find shalom? You will build the altar of Jehovah with shalom, whole stones. When you have peace with God, you have what? You have wholeness. You have completeness. The Bible says be anxious in nothing. That word anxious means to pull apart, to rip apart. When you're anxious, what's happening? You're being pulled apart. You're being ripped here and there, and you're thinking this and that. What could happen, and what if, and all the kinds of scenarios. But wholeness, the peace of God is a wholeness. Okay, another verse. Let's try this one. From Daniel God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. God has numbered thy kingdom and shalomed it. It's finished. When God does something, when he brings that peace with God and the peace of God into your life, it's finished. It's complete. We sang about that this morning. We're never going to lose that. That never goes away. Now, we can let anxiety and problems and difficulties overwhelm us, or we can say, I'm resting upon Jehovah Shalom. I'm going to go in his strength, the strength that he provides for this journey, whatever that journey might be today or tomorrow when you get up. And we don't know what tomorrow's journey is going to be like we don't know what this afternoon's journey is going to be like things change very quickly but jehovah shalom god is there in all of his fullness he's there to meet us here's another one. one first kings 9 so solomon finished the temple you got it finished it's finished it's complete what did jesus say from the cross about our salvation it is finished and therefore, we have peace with God and we have the peace of God. It's used in uh, making good of a loss. If you're an Israelite and you did something accidentally and you had to repay somebody, you had to make them whole again. You had to provide for them. You had to repay for the injury you did accidentally. That's the word shalom. Uh, it's used to render and to pay and to perform our obligations uh, that God has placed upon us. Here's a prayer of Solomon. First Chronicles. A prayer of David for Solomon. Give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart. A shalom heart. Now there's a prayer for parents to pray, isn't it? Give my child, give my son a a perfect heart. Give my daughter, give my grandchildren a perfect heart. A shalom heart. Where they're at peace with God and Peace with things that come into their lives. It's a basic understanding of all of this. A transaction is paid. A debt is paid. Satisfaction is made. It's to be made complete. It's to be made whole. I like to use the word peaceful wholeness. God gives us peaceful wholeness. It's going to be characteristic of the reign of Messiah when he comes again. The righteous branch of David that the people will dwell in peaceful wholeness wholeness Jesus Christ is called the prince of peace of peaceful wholeness Jerusalem Salem you've got that wholeness there the city of peace the Bible says pray for the peace of Israel Jehovah in his own person is peace Jesus in his own person is peace he must be if he's going to be the source of peace He's grieved by our sin. He's grieved by our corruptions. He's grieved at the things going on in the world over in the creation which he created and said it was good. He's not indifferent to our needs and to our sorrows and all of the afflictions he's afflicted. He knows what we're going through and we know that old spiritual, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. And my wife sings back, nobody knows the troubles you've been. You'll get that later on this afternoon sometime. It's the apex. It's the, it's the, uh, the high point of the high priestly benediction uh, for Aaron and his sons to bless the children. Jehovah lift up his face and give thee shalom. Give you peace. It was Jehovah himself who appeared to Gideon who had spoken to him in his restlessness, in his insecurity, in his fear in a time when people were doing their own thing. People are insecure. We look at the world today and we say, oh, I guess they're okay, they're doing their own thing. They are insecure. The only secure person in this world today is one who has his faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only person who has security. Trusting Christ. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that, watch the rest of the verse, what I've committed unto him. He'll only keep what you commit. I have money in my wallet. The bank doesn't keep it. Money in the bank, I've committed to them, and it's safe there. What we commit to God, he will keep. So we know whom we have believed, what we've committed unto him against that day. And so... The angel comes and says, Jehovah is with thee, even though you don't know peace. And when Gideon realized who this visitor was, of course he was afraid. Anytime we encountered the divine, we should be fearful. Perhaps there is missing somewhat of a fearful reverence of God today. As we sometimes rush into his presence, sometimes we forget whose presence we're really coming into, who we're talking to. Or who we're worshiping. Sometimes we do it very, not here. Uh, but sometimes it's done flippantly, lightly. He was conscious of his sinfulness. Because man knows all is not well. Man knows that all is not well between himself and God. And so he places the, uh, the broth and the, the cakes on the, the altar place there. The angel consumes it all. You see, the altar that Gideon erected was not a sacrifice. It was a memorial. It was a testimony saying Jehovah desires peace, not destruction. Our God is called in the New Testament the God of peace. We know the Old Testament word shalom. The New Testament word is our word for Irene. Peace. God in his own person, Jesus Christ, is perfect peace. He speaks of my peace over in John chapter 14. He says, my peace I give unto you. Later on, he says, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. Read the rest of the verse. But in the world you will have tribulation. We need God's peace because we're going to face tribulation. Don't be, don't be surprised when it comes, when you're faced with obstacles are there but know that he has spoken his peace over that. Like the troubled sea. What does he say to the troubled sea? Peace, be still. The troubling seas of our lives, peace, be still. History records over 8,400 peace treaties that are recorded. The world doesn't have peace. It doesn't know peace. Only the believer knows peace. The world depends upon personality and cleverness even positive thinking for peace. That's not where peace is found. Peace is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. Before his birth, Zacharias announced him as the antidote, the dayspring from on high, who had visited his people to guide their feet in the path of peace. He's here to guide our feet in the path of peace. The angels then came. They said, glory to God in the highest. That's always the first. And then, peace on earth. Jesus preached and promised peace. His first words to his disciples. First words to his disciples after the resurrection are, you're going to get this one, (laughs) peace. (laughs) Peace be unto you. Peter's first message, the day of Pentecost, Preaching peace by Christ Jesus. Paul said that he came to preach peace to you who are far off and to you who are near. He accomplished peace. Being justified by peace. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself having made peace. Paul continues through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. He's reconciling all things by peace. The peace of God that passes understanding. We can have it as believers. We should have it because he's the God of peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it reign in your hearts. Let it rule. Let it overwhelm your life. Let it, let it be your sufficiency not pulled in different directions. The world works for peace, but the Christian has peace. Peace in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trials, in the midst of all kinds of storms because of the power of the Holy Spirit. For to be spiritually minded is peace. And to be carnally minded is lack of peace. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. Paul prays that the peace of God would sanctify us holy, spirit, soul, and body. That the peace of Christ would preserve us without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, in the midst of a difficult situation, Gideon is encountered by Jesus Christ himself, And he says, you're a mighty man of our. You can go forth in the power that I'll provide because I am Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. I am your wholeness. I am your completeness. I am everything that you need. Jehovah Shalom. God was with him. And they had the victory. They saw the victory. They saw God's deliverance. Repentance came. And so as God's people this morning we need to know peace with God through Jesus Christ but we also need to walk in the peace of God that he gives to us in every circumstance in every situation no matter what's going on in your little world today no matter what's going on in our big world today and everywhere you look there are hot spots and things seem to be getting a little bit hotter in places and not only just the temperature but politically politically He's a God of peace. He's a God of wholeness, a God of completeness. And he wants to be all of that to us so we're not pulled off in different directions. And so the world can look and see. You're different. There's something different in your life. There's something different about the way you go about life. Maybe you don't know what's going on. People often say that about me. He probably doesn't know what's going on. That's why he's so peaceful. I I think I know what's going on. I think it's still happening up there. God is in control. God is the God of peace. God is the God who will walk with us. So, If you're here this morning and don't have that peace, that's the number one thing, is to find Jesus Christ as your peace and make peace with God because you're at war with God and God's at war with you. And though he loves you, you're still under the wrath of God. And I wouldn't want to walk out of here this morning being under the wrath of God. So I urge you by the Holy Spirit, if that's your situation, Make that peace with God. If you need help doing that, we'll be glad to help you with that. And then to those of us who know him, he is our peace. He is all that we need. Father, we thank you that indeed we can stand in the wholeness and the fullness and the completeness in the finished work that you've done for us. We thank you that you are peace. You came to bring peace. You're going to be the prince of peace. You're going to rule in all of eternity as the prince, the king of peace. But may we now have and know and experience, even in our lives, in our midst, in the midst of things that are unsettling sometimes, ways in which we don't know which way to turn. We just keep our eyes upon you, Jesus, that we would see what you see ahead and know that you know the beginning from the end, and it's all yours. Thank you that you are Jehovah Shalom. In your name, amen.